Well, welcome back to the Building Peace Initiative at YouWantAPeaceOfMeOnline.com. This is John Van Bladel, and our podcast today is titled No More Killing. I'll be inviting the Bill of Mindfulness occasionally to slow me down a bit um, and let what I've said sink in or be considered. And when you hear the bell, we're just going to stop for a moment and take a few breaths together, and then we will continue. Now, with this new program I'm using, you'll only hear a few seconds of the bell. Actually, less than that, maybe a second of the bell, and then there'll be a bit of quiet. So just take another breath after the bell stops, and I will continue talking. So let's give it a try now. All right. So sometimes I'm really at a loss when it comes to us as a species, and this has been one of those weeks. There is just so much killing going on in the world. I mean, there has been for quite some time, but um, we're seeing a lot of it, uh, particularly in the war in Ukraine and the um, Hamas attack on Israel and the resulting war. And it's not only direct physical killing, um, but death caused by absolute poverty, lack of food, water, medical care, and shelter. And then there's also killing people's spirits. Uh, the lack of hope or despair that so many feel who've been robbed of people they love or the chance uh, to reach their potential. Now, you may say this isn't much of an uplifting message during the holidays, but it is. It is because we can aspire to be more. So on Christmas Eve, I attended a Dharma talk, which is basically a talk, um, on mindfulness at Blue Cliff Monastery. And to be more specific, the talk was really about mindfulness, um, energy of awareness, understanding what is going on inside of us and around us. And part of this understanding included the components of faith, kindness, and forgiveness. Now, the concept of faith can be a really difficult one to grasp. And when I ask people what faith is, the responses are often pretty vague. Now, in this case, the monk who did the presentation uh, practices engaged Buddhism. And that is a faith or a path rooted in compassion and social justice. It's a practice designed to create sustainable, lasting social change to address the suffering in the world. Now, part of this faith is a spiritual dimension that may be reduce or end suffering. And in this case, the spirituality is a sense of interdependence, that we are here to support each other and reduce suffering. Now, you can possess a spiritual dimension and not practice a religion. You can have hope that we can, tr can transform our world to a more peaceful one, but with hope, there also has to be action. It's what I call an informed, assertive, compassionate approach to reducing suffering. <clears throat> now, the spiritual component, as I mentioned, centers on the concept of interdependence, that we're all interrelated or interconnected. Now, in this particular form of Buddhism, they would call that interbeing. As an example, our body, excuse me a bit, <clears throat> winter allergies, as an example, our body is a community. It's made up of trillions of cells that work together so that we can manifest. 
or become who we are, in my case, John. Uh, we often think we are solitary individuals, but in fact we're not. Our entire planet is a system that is interrelated, operating together, much like our bodies, uh, so that our biosystem that supports our existence can continue to do so. And it's not only supporting our existence, it's supporting the existence of many other creatures that inhabit the planet. So remove sun, water, air, nutrients, and we no longer exist. If you remove the basic need for nurturance, both physical and emotional, we will also perish. So when we experience a connection or an understanding of this interdependence, we develop empathy for each other and realize that there are many components that contribute to our existence, all have a value and a significant place in this, it helps to transform our awareness. We also realize that by killing others, we're killing ourselves. That when we damage our planet, we cause harm to ourselves and all the other creatures that depend on our biosphere to exist. I'm going to stop for a moment and take a little bit of a breath with the bell. Well, the talk at Blue Cliff Monastery was also inclusive of the teachings of Christ and addressed the similarities they have with the teachings of Buddha. It was a celebration of peace. And by the way, for those of you who are not fans of religion, consider what the Dalai Lama has said. My religion is simple. My religion is kindness. So try kindness as a practice if you're not a fan of religious religion. I see Buddhism as a practice, and though I do not consider myself a Buddhist, I try to practice Buddhist ethics, uh, which are pretty universal. I mean, similar ethics are contained in many of the world's spiritual and codified ethical standards, uh, including Christianity. What's the, what's the term now? Omnism, um, where you take a look at all the commonalities that religions have, and you respect what they have to offer. So the Christmas Eve event at Blue Cliff was one of the many life-affirming activities, you know, thousands of them going on in the world at that moment, that were addressing how faith can be helpful and serve as an antidote to the violence going on across the world. In order to disarm ourselves and stop the violence, it is so important that we connect with each other in the pursuit of nonviolence and peace, with empathy and compassion as a foundation. We need support so we can find a path to peace and avoid falling into cynicism and despair. We can stay grounded in a reality-based view of the world and maintain our sanity as we endeavor to create the type of change that will support our existence. So I hope today's podcast will help to achieve some middle ground between despair and hope. We often think in extremes, all or nothing. Um, and to help us keep open minds and hearts by drawing on what we already know. That our ethical obligation is to treat others the way we would like to be treated. And I'm going to extend that a bit further. And to refuse to kill. Now to this end, there are some sources of inspiration we can look into. I mean, when I have some difficult days, I start to read and I start to look at um, the people who sort of take me out of my narrow view of the world. Uh, Rutger Bregman's work, like Humankind, A Hopeful History, 
where he makes the case that humans are at their core decent and understanding. If you believe that, that changes our perspective. You understand that when people act badly or harmfully, it's not so much that they're bad people, it's their suffering. And they're expressing their suffering in the only way they know how. We have to help them find another way to do this, to express their needs. Um, remember Marshall Rosenberg? To express their needs so that they're able to get met and they don't spend so much time being frustrated or angry. There are plenty of other people that you can read and explore. The Dalai Lama has written a book, The Art of Happiness, Thich Nhat Hanh, One on Happiness, uh, Martin Seligman, Authentic Happiness, Matthew Ricard talks about altruism in his book on that. Um, the list is unending, um, but we're not exposed to them as much as we might be. If we were, we would probably change our perspectives. So how is that for a holiday reading list? You know, I just started to take uh, the course from Yale on happiness the other day. Uh, it's a very popular course. Um, I'm going to see how that turns out. Um, I'm presently working with another department at my workplace to develop a class, uh, the Sociology of Health and Happiness. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be approved, but any of you in the academic world know the process can be cumbersome, particularly when you have uh, fewer students. But I'm learning more about the topic um, that I'm going to incorporate into my existing classes. And one of the things I've taken away from a lot of the reading and practice that I've done is you can be happy and still be aware of the suffering that is occurring. You don't have to be pulled down to dis into despair. You're not happy about the suffering, of course, but you can be aware of and connected to the beauty around you. The simple miracles of everyday life, a cup of tea or coffee. Um, right now I'm watching a red hawk circle outside my window. Uh, the beauty of a new snow um, looking into the eyes of someone you care deeply about. Um, with, these, with this as a foundation, you can face and intervene um, in a manner that reduces suffering. All right, we're going to invite the bell a bit again and breathe a bit. Now, there's been a lot of killing going on in the world over the past, actually, for a long, long time throughout our history. And most of us have been exposed to a great deal of indirect violence since the start of the war in Ukraine and recently um, the terrorist attacks by Hamas on Israel and the resulting war in Gaza. Uh, some are suffering directly and are victims of the cruelty of war. Uh, some of us are suffering by watching it and feeling a sense of helplessness. Uh, these are complex situations, but none of this violence would occur without the underlying structural violence, religious intolerance, ethnic hatred, economic inequality, and leaders in media who fan the flames of fear and hatred and convince people to participate in harming each other. Now, one of the more vexing contradictions to the hatred and killing are that there are moral codes um, that prohibit this. Uh, these moral and ethical codes are crystal clear. Thou shalt not kill. Pick up almost any religious text and you will encounter this pro these prohibitions. Christians, Muslims, and Jews, we all have thou shalt not kill. It seems concise and simple. There is no subheadings that denote the, si that denote the situations you can kill in. 
So let's just keep it simple. No killing. The Buddhists and Hindus, amongst others, have ahimsa, the ethical principle of not causing harm to other living things. Um, from the five mindfulness trainings um, over at Blue Cliff Monastery, we have this, reverence for life. Aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I'm committed to cultivating the insight of interbeing and compassion and learning ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I am determined not to kill, not to let others kill, and not to support any act of killing in the world, in my thinking or in my way of life. Seeing that harmful actions arise from anger, fear, greed, and intolerance, which in turn come from dualistic and discriminative thinking, I will cultivate openness, non-discrimination, non-attachment to views, in order to transform violence, fanaticism, and dogmatism in myself and the world. Let's take a little bit of a break to allow that to sink in. Here we go. Just follow your breathing a bit. So all the prohibitions we have against killing, and somehow we manage to subvert the basic ethic of do no harm, and come up with reasons and justifications to harm other, others that are often supported by many of the citizens of the particular country waging war. By the way, it is very hard to oppose warfare. Um, all sorts of sanctions, some direct and some indirect, um, get directed towards you. So, my question is, where are we going wrong? How can such a basic foundational ethic as no killing be subverted to the point where killing becomes our duty. Now, based on my understanding of Christianity and Buddhism, I cannot see Jesus or Buddha leading armies to kill people. Uh, from in the world of Islam, uh, as explained by Karen Armstrong, a religious historian and author of many books, including Muhammad, a prophet for our time, Islam is not a religion founded on the sword, but on peace and reconciliation. A really good source to check out is the Charter for Compassion. You can find it online, originated by Armstrong. And um, basically, it states that any interpretation of scripture that causes hatred or harm is invalid. And I'm sure that'll lead to some interesting discussions between you and some of the people around you. For some more insights into this, I suggest reading a little bit of um, Tolstoy, uh, Patriotism or peace and letter to a non-commissioned officer a good place to start. Now, careful here, because mentioning his name could get you canceled. Um, and canceled in a sense labeled as a socialist or an anarchist. Uh, those are titles often attached to him. But he does address the role of religion and patriotism in causing war. Now, reading his work has not turned me into either a anarchist or a socialist, but it has provided me with some important things to consider. And one of the insights is that religion should be a foundation for peace, not war. And that is an interesting shift. Killing is not acceptable and is a misinterpretation of religious doctrine. Now in Patriotism or Peace, he makes the case that patriotism is essentially divisive when used to unify people against other states. You can be patriotic and not hate or want to kill other people. Tolstoy makes the observation, and I'll give you a, a direct quote from him, for 
If there live side by side two armed men, who have from childhood been taught that power, riches, and glory are highest goods, and that to obtain these by arms to the loss of one's neighbors is a most praiseworthy thing, and, if further, there is for these men no moral, religious, or political bound, then is it not clear that they will always seek war, that their normal relations will be warlike? So, what we have to do is denormalize war. We've come to accept that extinguishing life is acceptable, that removing an individual's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is acceptable. This is not what the religious texts say, nor is it what the U.S. Constitution or the U.N. Universal Declaration of Human Rights say. All support our human rights to live and to thrive. So, here's a solution. Let's try this one. Let's make no killing the standard. Let's make it a line that we don't cross under any circumstances. And I know you'll say um, that, yeah, some will cross it. Well, inevitably, that is true. But if the standard is no killing, and it is accepted, it becomes the cultural norm. And if it becomes the cultural norm, there's going to be far less of it. Now, we can do this. We have the foundational documents, but it will require a change in consciousness. So consider that for a while, um, and see if you can just commit to not supporting any type of killing. So that's it for today. I'll be back in another week or two with a bit of luck. Uh, till then, let's give ourselves some peace. For ourselves and then let's pay it forward.